0: So that'll be for sure next week. Right yeah. he, he told me yesterday. We called. We, we went through the governor's mandate.
1: She's getting better. She put down in the implementation. The, there's nowhere mentioned in the whole mandate in places of worship. And we got to the bottom. In the bottom, which, she, like I said, she's getting better. She said, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, she said, "Under no circumstances will any place of worship, the owner of such place, or any person who attends." For the purpose of worship, To put it there, for the purpose of worship. I, not sure. I, not I don't know why you would go to church and not be able to worship, but they not Because they wanna get us on they want to get us on loitering. So make sure you're worshiping. <laughs> Three days. But it said that you know how she added
0: that the last time she made the mandate. This time it
1: was actually I had to for it. No, I don't get yeah, it. We, we already already, this too. They wanted ten. That's it. actually I mean, The mandate says no public hey, indoor gatherings at all. Oh, yeah. So that's what she has written uh, in there. Funerals are 25 only, so 30% for shopping places. Uh, oh. So we're going to be back to Walmart, checking I mean, before you. ER90. All of that okay. stuff is actually written yeah. in the mandate. That's a lot too. Thanksgiving gatherings are in a Yeah, well, if you, if you. Mm-hmm.
2: I've made a pact with yeah, my family. Other than but I, <laughs> <laughs> I a
1: to So because yeah. what um, she's, um, doing well, well, she's, she's doing technically is well, back to it, all the, it, all it, the legislature. The lady, she's she's back, right. back to her state of, kind of emergency. I read yeah. the ruling yeah. on that. <laughs> the court ruled in favor of the legislature and then reset her powers
2: so that she got an extra
1: days. Well, so we'll it clear, so. My son actually did some research on that. Too, but anyway, but he found some other other qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In and, uh, and the fine print, I mean, the really yeah. fine print. Yeah. Yeah, but he, has, oh, he, he had some of those issues. He had what he's some side effects. He had reports or no and he had legal things the powers because again, it all falls back to the legislature. everything resets. Legislature and the courts are calling this an emergency, but technically the, the legislature. Hopefully, those people know what they're being the emergency about. Emergency situation and grant those powers. They have so <coughs> That's the caveat to a whole situation. So, if the court rules an error, where does that leave us? I mean, they're the people who make the final decision for our state. You know, even if they even if they correctly, that's that's the whole reason we have problems in our <laughs> not enough people are reading the fine print do you think enough upper would make changes to how yes. I, I, I'm, I'm the expectant. and unfortunately we crossed the rubicon to the point where some of the people I've talked to are manning up That <coughs> able, not just months. as a right that's but right. as a duty and responsibility yeah. to stand yeah. up for the constitution the problem with Constitution, because there are people who believe that the constitution is a living yeah. document it is not so but he that's that's the, the issue i'll stand right up you'll, you'll find them the saying i'll stand right. up for the constitution as long as Interpretation of it. That's where the rub comes. That's where the rub comes. You know. And the problem is, too many of those people are teaching law courses at Harvard and Yale and Princeton. Oh, yeah. It's and all socialist. It is. You know, My yeah. well, member. Was, um, they them yep. that and then people don't understand that they were sold out and this country's being sold out and, and it's not that the democrats want to rule this country they don't they know they can't their purpose is to, is to <coughs> the election and so
2: been She snow day. she <laughs> Oh, thank you.
3: that she really but really
1: really
3: Good morning. Are we it? Braved the (laughs) snowstorm. Some some announcements uh, in your bulletin and not in your bulletin. Uh, Place your offering in the offering box, of course. Uh, Along with that, the new uh, offering envelopes are um, here on the foyer table. So take those. If you have been using that system and you have a number, just keep that number. I think it might already be filled out uh, in your name. If you have not been using that system and want to, uh, take a box and sign up for it. But we're we're trying to save work in transferring people's names and numbers, so if you could keep the same number, that would be great. Um, Also, the Days of Praise booklets are here for the next quarter along with the new uh, acts and facts i don't have one up here also a reminder regarding the uh post uh, on the helps board there um, for updating of birthdays and anniversaries and such if you could uh, see to that that would be great and if you look at The bottom of our church praying we've got ken in the hospital he's in the back row good to see him and also claire may is not in the hospital so home i take it she's home okay so continue to pray uh, for uh, those who are uh, struggling with their health but as of this morning not in the hospital um, amen. amen anything else that I've missed this morning that you know of I'll direct you to the scripture for meditation that is Matthew the sixth chapter read verses five through fifteen If you'll stand with me, we'll open our service in prayer. Phil, would you like to lead us this morning?
1: Leadership of this country, and that you continually raise good men and good women, honorable people, to lead us in the days to come. Have your will upon us, Father. Watch over and protect us in these difficult and dark days. Now, for our church, Lord, we pray that you would be with us, that your Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit would commune with us in this hour to come, that you would give the pastor the strength, the fortitude, the desire. Father, we seek your face, we seek your will in all of this. Be with us this hour, Father. Keep us on the straight and narrow as your children, as your servants, that we may give you the honor.
4: You take your Trinity hymnal this morning and turn to number 629, 629 in the Trinity. going to sing that at the very end oh, we are. yep do you have another one real quick no, no? okay i saw andrew and jolene back there don't know which one were you okay that, that's our last hymn so you can't steal our thunder i'm really sorry <laughs> it, it, it is that's our theme today <laughs> andrew which one did you have okay joy to the world awesome um brown we in the red, so we'll stay in the red. Let's see if we can find it in the red. It's in here. Uh, 195.
2: 195 in the red. <laughs> Yay. And It is that song.
3: Scripture this morning is taken from Acts, the fourth chapter. We'll be reading verses sixteen through thirty
1: three.
3: If you'll stand with me, or we'll read together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this, in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard After further threats they let them go they could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened For the man who has excuse me for the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, and Pontius Pilate, indeed Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were in one heart and mind, No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. We ask the Lord would bless his word.
4: You take your red hymnal again and turn to number 631, 631. In the red?
0: Our scripture text is Acts chapter 4, verses 16 and following. In our last uh, study on worship, this is a little mini-series on worship that I'm doing. Uh, We uh, talked about worship decorum, how we're to conduct ourselves in the worship of God. And we used the poor example of the Israelites at the base of Mount Sinai, awaiting Moses' return with the written law on the two tablets of stone. Yes, Moses was an absentee leader, but for no fault of his own. I mean, he was a- obeying God and receiving the law of God on the stone tablets. But the people became impatient after 40 days, and they were intimidated, intimidated Aaron to forge an idol from their gold jewelry. And Aaron was an example of a poor leader. Poor because he caved to the people's wishes. God had commanded that no companion deity was to be worshipped alongside of him. No idols of gold, no idols of silver. So Aaron knew better, he just didn't do better. As you might affect, the people got out of control. But here's what the scripture says, Exodus 32, verse 25 says, Aaron had let them get out of control. Wow. So God held Aaron responsible as well. So much for his poor leadership. They engaged in pagan revelry, 1 Corinthians 10:7 associated with their worship of Jehovah. They also mixed in there the worship of the golden calf. Oh it was a mess. And what they were observed in the worship of their idol, they thought God would accept in the worship of him because they just incorporated him in in there. It says there was singing on that day that Hebrew word is in noise or thundering. So this was raucous singing like like drunken sailors that have lost control of themselves. Well, that was a terrible day because 3,000 people lost their lives as God judged them by calling on the Levites, the spiritual ministers, to slay them by the sword. Now, there had to be something supernatural about that. Are the people just going to stand there and be slaughtered? Well, I don't think they could do anything because I think God was with the Levites in terms of that. And by the way, all that generation, over one million, died in the wilderness because... God refused to allow them to enter the promised land because of their disobedience and their unbelief. There's a problem that the sin infiltrated the people. The children weren't doing much better than the adults. They perished in the wilderness. We live in a day of neo-Gnosticism. Gnostics of the New Testament days taught that all material items, all material items, were evil, not simply that they could be used for evil, but that they were and are evil. Sometimes we Christians think that way too. It should not think that way. Material things in and of themselves are not evil. They can be used for evil, and they are many times. Paul told us to whatever we do in word or deed do all for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. John tells us just and true are your ways king of the ages. Who will not fear you O Lord and bring glory to your name for you alone are holy. Revelation 15. In verse four, we need to keep that in mind. Our God is the same Holy God of the Old Testament. Uh, there's dispensationalism has done done us a bad scene, I think, in often portraying the God of the Old Testament as stern, you know, judgmental, austere. Oh, but the God of the New Testament, he's loving and caring and sweet-hearted and merciful and so forth. And it kind of paints a picture that there's two gods, but there isn't two gods. There's only one God. And the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. And you irk the God of the New Testament and you receive the same consequences for sin that is unrepented. Today's study on worship directs our thoughts to how Prayer is to be a part of our worship. Prayer is to be a part of our worship. So before we get into the study, let's ask the Lord to be with us in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that we have it recorded for us. You didn't let us to our own devices or to think up what we wanted to say or do, but you gave us, like in the Old Testament, You gave us New Testament prophets and apostles, who, under inspiration of your Spirit, spoke and wrote the things that you want want to be said and remembered and practiced. And this is a better light, greater light than they had in the Old Testament. So we're even more fully obligated. With greater light comes greater responsibility to obey to listen and obey. Please help us, Lord, to understand these truths and bless us with a heart that wants to obey. Grant us the faith to obey because we are to be people of faith and we're to love your word and to love Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. You can tell my voice is giving me troubles here this morning we want to talk about worship as prayer the first thing I want you to note and it's nothing new is that everyone prays everyone this is almost universally accepted it's true Muslims pray five times a day facing Mecca Hindus pray three times a day Buddhists are said not to pray because they don't believe in a personal deity, but they meet for chants and recitations and mantras. It's all like prayer-like experiences. Jews pray three times a day. Of Christians, Paul says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, Colossians 4. Verse 2. Devote yourself to prayer. The word devote means to be steadily attentive unto, to give unremitting care to a specific thing. So it isn't fly by night, it's dedication. That'd be a good word. Do you know that even atheists pray? They do. Ernie Pyle, a uh, journalist in World War II, under the time when President Eisenhower was president, made the statement on the radio, there are no atheists in foxholes. There are no atheists in foxholes. That was later quoted by Dwight D. Eisenhower when he addressed the American Legion in a White House address February 7th, 1954. What does that mean? There's no atheists in foxholes. Well, it means that when you're in the trenches and the mortars are whistling in overhead and the machine guns are rat-tat-tat-tat-tatting and there's deadly bursts of bullets all around you. There's a possibility of imminent death and meeting God in your next breath that will often change the perspective of a atheist and suddenly their defiance dissipates in prayer. God help me. They pray. Everyone prays. Some need a certain motivation to pray but everyone prays. Of course, there are other disciplines important to the Christian life, but Paul says, devote yourself to prayer. Colossians 4, verse 2. He's talking about one of the key areas of fidelity that is incumbent upon all true believers. Devote yourself to prayer. Now, the nature of prayer is dependence, isn't it? The nature of prayer is dependence. Have you ever heard someone say, I don't need religion in my life. I do just fine without God. I've had that said to me many times. These people would not necessarily classify themselves as atheists, but they are practical atheists. That is to say, while they might believe in God, their concept of God, of course, (laughs) is different than the Bible's, they see no need for his intervention in their lives because they are fully capable of ordering their lives, solving their problems without divine intervention. Thank you very much. They see prayer as something for the weak, for the unable, for the dim-witted, for those with an inferiority complex. Weak people pray but I don't need that. I wonder if they would classify Jesus Christ In that category. When the Bible says, one of those days, Sabbath day, Jesus went out into the mountainside to pray and he spent the night praying to God. Luke 6, verse 12. Was Jesus a dimwit? Was he weak? Was he incapable? No, he had just healed a man whose right hand was deformed, if you read the context. He was blessed, and he he was also a blessing. That's our Lord. Now, prayer by its very nature is an action showing dependence upon another, in this case, dependence upon God. And the self-sufficient people of society go through life proud of their own achievements, completely oblivious to the grace of God that has sustained them in every endeavor. They're oblivious. Just because they don't recognize God in their life doesn't mean that he's not in their life. I like what Paul told the Athenians. Pagan Greeks in Athens. Here's what he said. From one man, from one man, God made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he's not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. And as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. God has put us right where we're supposed to be. You were born in America because God is in control of all those things. We can ask again, why do you have the physical faculties that you possess? The sight, the hearing, the speech. When Moses was arguing with God as to why he would not be a good spokesperson to go to Egypt and speak to Pharaoh about setting the Israelites free, God responded this way. Who gave man his mouth, Moses? Who makes him deaf and mute? Who gives him sight? Who makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Exodus 4, verse 11. The psalmist declared the utter absurdity of thinking that God is impotent. Take heed, you senseless ones among the people. You fools, when, you will be, when will you become wise? Does he who implanted the ear not hear? Does he who formed the eye not see? Does he who disciplines nations not punish? Does he who teaches lack knowledge? Psalm 94, verse 8 and following. These are, this is nonsense. Think of all the miraculous healings which occurred at the hands of Jesus and his disciples in New Testament days. The man with the shriveled hand, Luke 6, 6. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. And the people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled man well, the lame walking, the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel, Matthew 15, verse 30. Yes, indeed. Wow. The disciples healing of the deformed beggar in Acts 3. And Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I have I give to you, and in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I want you to walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong, and he jumped onto his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping, praising God. Can't you just see this guy? Acts 3, 6 and following. Our physical and mental faculties are ordered by God. And much of our praying acknowledges this when we are not feeling up to par. We know how to pray for the sick. What about your sustenance? What do I mean by that? Food, clothing, housing. There are people who say, yeah, I want you to know that I built my house with my own two hands. And what they're saying is God didn't help me build my house. I built my house. They have no idea. God said to Moses and Moses said to the Israelites, see the Lord has chosen Basilio son of Uri of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the spirit of God. He has given him skills, abilities, knowledge in all kinds of crafts to make artistic designs for works in gold and silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, to engage in all kinds of artistic craftsmanship. And he has given both him and Oholiab, son of Ahishmas, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as craftsmen, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen and weavers, all of them master craftsmen and designers. Exodus 35, verse 30 and following. God gave them all those skills. You say, well, I grow my own garden. I earn my own living. Really? Paul told the pagans at Lystra, in the past God let all nations go their way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven, crops in their season. He provides you with plenty of food. He fills your heart with joy. Acts 14, verse 16 and 17. So what all this means is that where you live, your domicile, your physical and mental acuities, the skills in reasoning and decision-making, the food on your table, the clothes on your back, they all demonstrate dependence upon God and reason enough to be people of prayer who not only pray for resolutions when there is a defect or lack in any of these areas, but also to express thanks, to express thanks for what we have and who we are under the great benevolence of God. Our expressed dependence is answered by the grace of God. That's just in the realm of the physical. That's in the realm of just living your life and being sustained. But then we also have great need for forgiveness. Much of what I've been saying this morning applies to the physical, food, clothing, good health, mental capacity, and so on, yes. But the spiritual poverty of our souls is even more in need of addressing. Paul puts it this way as it are written, There is no one righteous. Uh-oh. There is no one righteous. Not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God, all have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. And the poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood Ruin and misery mark their ways and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Romans 3, 10 and following. Now that's not a happy text. That is not a beautiful picture of mankind. But that's who we are without Christ, without grace. That was the culture of Paul's day and it certainly is. The spiritual climate of our own day. Men and women are dead in trespasses and sin. Ephesians two one. And the next chapter, without hope and without God in the world, says Paul. Without hope. Ephesians two verse twelve. They're spiritually bankrupt. People are standing in the cesspool of sin and degradation with their finger about to be inserted into the lightning rod of God's wrath. But they're splashing around like children as though they did not have a care in the world. And if you try to say anything about this to them, you'll be put in your place real quick as a killjoy. It's a person that's a gloom and doom person. And they'll turn you off. They have no clue that judgment looms but one lapse breath away. And so they never think of praying for forgiveness and restoration to purity in Christ. I look in the psalm, and the psalmist teaches us This may seem strange, but this is what he does. He teaches us to talk to ourselves. And to talk to ourselves with true remembrance. Let me give you a taste of this. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul, and don't forget all of his benefits. Who forgives all your sins, and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with joy and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Psalm 103, verses 2 through 5. He's talking to himself and he says, He's saying, So don't forget these things about yourself. Just because things are going along okay now, don't, realize, don't forget where you were and what God has done. The spiritual need of your heart and mind is of such paramount importance that Jesus put it this way. Do not worry about what shall we eat oh, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear. Those are things that we're not to worry about. And it gives you the reason. For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But you, you my people, you my disciples, you followers of me, seek first, in other words, make this your priority, his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew 6, 31 and following. People have the cart before the horse. They spend all of their lives working for wealth and power and security, but they never address Jesus' question. What is Jesus' question that you should listen to? Here it is. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul. Mark 8 verse 36. Verse 37. That's an important question. That's more important than where's my next meal coming from. Our dependent prayer life. Can express no greater need than to seek. God's forgiveness. And restoration through the crosswork. Of Jesus Christ. And somehow we have to get that across to people of the world. Because they're not into this. They're into working for the food, the clothing, the new housing, the new boat, the new whatever. They're not seeking first huh, the kingdom of God, they're not seeking it at all. It's way down on the priority list. We're to worship God through our prayer life. And I bring before you the thought of communal prayer. If prayer in general is demonstration of dependence upon God for all things physical and spiritual, how does communal prayer fit into all of this? the blind musician Ken Medema has a song called Listen to Your Children Praying. Listen to your children praying. Listen to my cry, says the psalmist, for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you, and I wait in expectation. You're not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you, the wicked cannot dwell. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men the Lord abhors. But I, by your great mercy, will come into your house in reverence will I bow down towards you in your holy temple. Psalm 5, verse 2 through 5. Again, the psalmist says, For the director of music, with stringed instruments, a mass scale of David. A mass scale is a teaching psalm. When the Ziphites and gone to Saul and said, Is not David hiding among us? Save me, O God, by your name. Vindicate me by your might. Hear my prayer, O God. Listen to the words of my mouth. Strangers are attacking me. Ruthless men seek my life. Men without regard for God. Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Psalm 54, the first four verses. you can see where his emphasis is. Hezekiah led the people in prayer when Sennacherib came against him. Sennacherib of the Syrian army. Here's what he said: "Give ear, O Lord, and hear; and hear. Give give ear to give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to all the words Sennacherib has sent to insult the living God." It is true, O Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste all these peoples and their lands. They have thrown in, thrown into their gods into the fire and destroyed them. For they were not gods, only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, O Lord, our God, deliver us from this, his hand so that all kingdoms on earth may know that you alone are Lord our God. See, Sennacherim came and he says to Hezekiah and the people, You can't <laughs> you can't beat us. Look at what has what we've accomplished. We've destroyed this nation and that nation and this one here and taken these people captive, and you think you're gonna survive? Ha! And Hezekiah heard that from Sennacherib. And he prays to God. And he says to God, words to this effect, Sennacherib is right, God. He has come and he's wiped out all those nations. And now he's outside of Jerusalem. He's going to wipe us out unless you intervene. God did miraculously intervene, right? You all remember the beheading of the Apostle James by Herod. And the Jews were, oh boy, they were so elated that Herod posed a repeat performance. This time he was going to take Peter and make him a martyr. He already had Peter in Custody in prison. Well, we'll wait till after Passover. We don't want to upset the Jews. It's their holy season. But when Passover's over, we'll do the same with Peter. So what did the church do? Let me read it for you. Peter was kept in prison, but the church, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to be, bring him to trial. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. I find that amazing. He's going to be executed the next day, and he's sleeping. I wouldn't be sleeping. I'd be walking the floors. Even if it was only a little cell, I'd be back and forth <laughs> up and down. Peter was sleeping. He was also bound with two chains. The sentry stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. And He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Acts 12, verse 5 and following. He then followed the angel out of prison and went to the house of John Mark. Where we are told, let me read it for you. Many people had gathered there and were praying. They were praying. Acts 12.12. 12. God's people assembled together and praying. Prayer of a righteous man avails much, Paul says. Here's my question. Is there something is there something special or more compelling of God about communal prayer over, let's say, individual prayer? When we gather as a church and pray together, usually Wednesday evening, when we petition God as his collective body, does that kind of praying hold more weight with God? Here's what Jesus answers. You'll find it in Matthew 18, verse 19 and 20. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. But where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Matthew 18, verse 19 and 20. the special presence of Christ when his church meets collectively, communally about a certain matter. After the ascension, the disciples were gathered in a room. Remember that you all remember that. It says they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated out and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, that is gl- glossa, is the Greek, in, in distinct dialects and languages, not babbling, As the Spirit enabled them. John says this is the confidence we have. In approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will. He hears us. And if we know. Notice the logic here. If we ask anything according to God's will. He hears us. Okay. Okay. He goes on, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked for. First John 5: and 15, as a promise, as confidence. This is why I say that our prayers are on the safest ground if you can pray God's promises and his word back to him. You don't have to be guessing. Oh, I wonder if this is the will of God for my life. I don't know if I should pray about this or not. If you find it in the book, you can pray about it. And if you pray about it and it's in the book, you're right there praying for the will of God to be accomplished in your life. Grace of God, notwithstanding, it appears that a collective voice on a given matter arouses God to answer in the affirmative, providing those praying are not hypocritical in their prayers. We're sincere and genuine. God reads the heart. You know that. So when Israel approached God in worship and they prayed, God told them, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you, even if you offer many prayers. Whoa, 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 what's going on? I will not listen. Why will you not listen, God? Your hands are full of blood, that's why. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, uh-huh, they shall be as white as snow, though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. Isaiah 1, 15 through 19. Communal prayer expresses the uniformity and agreement among praying people on what and how to pray. And where that unity is genuine and not hypocritical, God answers quickly. I've got to put a plug in for a Wednesday night prayer meeting. I wish more of us were here to pray collectively, communally, because I think that's the powerhouse of the church. Communally. But then secondly, the worship of God is, comes through individual prayer. I'm not knocking individual prayer, but I just wanted us to see that God has a special heart for communal prayer, where two or three are where we're agreed, but He does answer individual prayer. Individual prayer shows dependence upon God for almost every situation in life. Remember Abraham's servant? He was sent on a mission to obtain a wife for Isaac from among Abraham's relatives of far, far away. It's reading in the scripture, it says, Then he prayed, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success today. Show kindness to my master Abraham. May it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar of water that I may have a drink. And she says, drink and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen. Boy, what a way to pray. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. That was Eliezer, Abraham's servant. Genesis 24, 12, and 5. I'd say he knew how to pray. Wow. Now, all the women came to this well, you understand, to draw water. But here comes Rebecca in the heat of the day, an unusual time. An unusual woman. A special woman for God. God's bride for Isaac. After they were married for some time, it became apparent that Rebecca was barren. She couldn't have children. So what do we read? We read, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. The Lord answered his prayer. And his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. Genesis 25, verse 21. You and I have no idea how important it was to have children in the days of the patriarchs. The farm, everything was of agrarian nature. Have many children. was Very important. Prayer. we read again the people came to moses and they said we sinned when we spoke against the lord and against you pray that the lord will take the snakes away from us they were dying by the thousands so moses prayed for the people numbers 21 verse 7 He put up a bronze snake on a pole you remember and the plague stopped After being captured and made blind because of his sin, Samson was made to stand between the supporting pillars of Dagon's pagan temple. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Oh, sovereign Lord, remember me. Oh, God, please strengthen me just one more time. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Judges 16, verse 28. And you know what happened. The house of Dagon fell under the hands of Almighty God through Samson. When Ahithophel, David's military advisor, betrayed him by siding with Absalom, David asked God to make Ahithophel's counsel foolishness. 2 Samuel 15 verse 30, 31. Through Elijah's prayer, the rain was withheld from the land of Naab's day as a judgment on his leadership. And by Elijah's same prayer, that rain returned. Jonah encapsulated within the stomach of a great fish, prayed and the fish spit him out on shore. Jonah 2 verse 1. Prayers for healing, prayers for wisdom, prayers for direction and knowing God's will for life. It's all here in the book. You can pray about anything and everything with the confidence that God hears. An individual prayer is so important in ascertaining the help of God. that James wrote this, you want something but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel, you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend whatever you get on your pleasures. James 4, verse 2 and 3. There's a protocol in prayer. We pray to God individually, pray to God collectively, but you have to pray His will. Thy will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven, Jesus taught His disciples. We have in our hymnal William Cowper's hymn, and one of the lines says, Jesus, where Thy people meet, there they behold Thy mercy seat." Where they seek thee, thou art found, with grace and mercy to abound. No human priest necessary, just you and God. You know how privileged we are? And then finally, there's the worship of God through the intercessory prayer of leaders. When the office of deacons was ordained by the church, listen to the reasoning of the apostles. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and they said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among yourselves that are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom, and we will turn... This responsibility over to them, and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Acts 6, verse 2 and following. Prayer of God's leaders. It was Nehemiah's prayer that resulted in Israel's release from captivity. Let me read it for you. Then I said, "O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps His covenant of love with those who love Him and obey His commands, let Your ear be attentive to Your to my, and Your eyes to hear and to per, to my prayer. May You see Your day, the prayer day before You, the night of Your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins of the Israelites, including myself and my father's house. We have committed against You." We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed your commands or decrees and laws that you gave your servant Moses. Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servant who delights in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. And what's he saying? Nehemiah 1 verse 5 and following. He's about to go in before King Artaxerxes and plead on behalf of the Israelites. And he's saying, God, I need your blessing as I go before this dignitary. And I got to confess that I don't deserve your blessing, nor do your people, because we have sinned against you. And here we are, captive to this man. And then finally there's worship through penitent prayer. The blind man with his sight, restored by Jesus, told the Pharisees, you know they he had a conflict. He had a conflict with these Pharisees. They kept pressuring him to not give Jesus the credit for the healing. So here's how he answered them. This is unbelievable. He's not a theologian. He's just a man on the street. Jesus has restored his sight. He's arguing with the Pharisees. They're trying to twist his arm, put words in his mouth that he doesn't want to put in his mouth. Give glory to God. Give glory to God. Not this Jesus man. Uh -uh." Here's his answer. We know, Pharisees, we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nada, nothing. John 9, verse 31 and following. That cost him his couchy place among the religious elite. They threw him out of the temple. Basically, they excommunicated him from being able to come and worship in the temple. We know that God does not listen to sinners, said the blind man. Well, if God doesn't listen to the prayer of sinners, how are sinners saved and brought into the kingdom of God? That's a good question. Peter put it this way. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. The times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Acts 3, verse 19 and 20. The one prayer God hears and answers from an unbeliever is the petitional prayer, the penitent prayer of faith. When you acknowledge your sin, God's grace abounds to forgive, to cleanse, to make you a child of God. And it's the most important prayer in your life. And every believer sitting here this morning can attest to that. The most important prayer I ever prayed was, Lord, save me a sinner. Because of Jesus, save me. Our Lord, we just pray that you'll help us to see the truth amidst all of the... Rabble rousing that goes on in our society, and especially among religious leaders of various religions of the world, so much so that uh, the devil has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, lest they believe and see the glory of Christ in the gospel, because they're not getting the gospel; they're getting platitudes, they're getting feel-good messages. But Lord, we know what we need is your grace and your goodness in the gospel. And what you have promised in the gospel is that if we will come and confess our sins to you and acknowledge Jesus as our only Savior, the one that can bring us into glory safely and honorably before your throne, then you will flood our hearts with your spirit and you will forgive us and cleanse us And as Paul says, make us new creatures in Christ. And that's what we need. We need to be new. And we ask your blessing upon any here today that's struggling, 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 fighting against the truth of the gospel. Lord, bring them to know you this hour for the glory of God and for their own salvation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Our closing hymn is from the Trinity Hymnal, number 634.
4: Do so we stand together and sing? Stand. <laughs> <clears throat>
0: help us to understand how privileged we are to be invited by God yourself to come and talk to you in prayer. And to know that when we pray in the name of Jesus and on the merit of Jesus' cross work that we have a hearing with you and if we have a hearing with you we have the petition that we pray. Whether it's corporate prayer when we meet on Wednesday night or whether it's individual prayers daily great privilege to be able to talk to you and have you answer. How do you answer us? It is through your word. Your word becomes living and viable that way. People of the world, they pray. Are they in the book? I doubt it. Or if they're in their rituals, their prayer books, they don't know how to pray spontaneously. They don't know how to pray individually. They have to read it, a prayer because they don't know how to pray. They don't have a heart for it. But Lord, you've given us a heart to talk to our Father and to come to you in the name of our brother, Jesus. Together we come as part of your family and ask you to Hear us on the merit of Jesus' blood and righteousness and to answer only those things which are according to your will, those things which will glorify your name, exalt the gospel, and be for our good. These things we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Um,
4: Can I remind you one more time about the sign-up sheet? Um, Rachel is now doing the bulletin this is why we need the dates <clears throat> And um, I've asked Claire Mayer, but I think she's gotten a place where she just can't find it so if you could please sign up your birthdays and your anniversaries and whatever special dates because as of right now the only thing we have for December is Carol Atwood's birthday on December 25th <clears throat> and that's for next year too except for the birthdays in our media family <laughs> so if you could please please sign up is, is, there, is there a chart on the book there boat? is, uh, yep there's a sign up sheet thank you Thank mm-hmm.